0: Thank you for downloading this VintageRadioShows.com podcast. We have over 30,000 shows for you to download and enjoy for only $7.95 per month. Sit back and relax while you enjoy the best from the golden age of radio. And please visit us at VintageRadioShows.com. Stroke
1: of fate.
2: The fate of you who are listening, of nations of the world, has often hung upon accident or upon decisions that made another way would have substantially altered the course of human events. Suppose by a stroke of fate, Hannibal had conquered Rome. Suppose fate had decreed that when McKinley
3: ran for president... Theodore Roosevelt had refused to be his running mate. Would Roosevelt have ever become president?
2: Yes, much depends upon a stroke of fate. And tonight, for the last time, we rewrite history as we present a dramatic conception of... The stroke of fate that might have prevented the Norman conquest of England in 1066 A.D. On October 14, 1066, Duke William of Normandy defeated Harold of England the last of the Anglo-Saxon kings at the Battle of Hastings, a decisive battle in world history and one that profoundly influenced the future course of England. But if fate had intervened, it is possible there would have been no Norman conquest. Our story, as usual, is true up to the stroke of fate. After that, speculation based on historical possibility. Our story is related by the beautiful Aldith, she who was destined to be the wife of King Harold.
0: In the year of our Lord 1064, King Edward the Confessor sat on the throne of England. Edward, being old and weak, the country was ruled by Earl Harold Godwinson, and he ruled wisely and well. Earl Harold, in that year 1064, was shipwrecked with some of his men on the coast of France, being then imprisoned and held for ransom by Guy, Count of Ponthieu. Harold was ransomed from Count Guy by William, Duke of Normandy. And Harold and his men then rode to the Duke's castle, where he was greeted by William.
3: I owe you much thanks, William. Were it not for your ransoming me, I would still be lying in the dank and noisome dungeon of Count Guy. I, my brother, Earl Wolfnoth, and my men. You are indeed welcome here, Harold. But why did you not pay the ransom Count Guy demanded so that you might return to England? I would see the dog hanged first rather than pay him a silver penny. I believe he lured us onto the rocks so that we might be shipwrecked. But to you I will pay ransom if you so wish. Let us not talk of ransom, Harold. You are my guest. Much have I heard of you and in your favor. And glad I am to see you here. And I to see you. Harold! I will be open with you. There are those who say you would be the next king of England. There is already an heir to the throne, William. Edgar? A child. A weakling. He could never hold the throne. He is the nearest kinsman to King Edward. I, too, am Edward's kinsman. And you know that when I visited England 13 years ago, King Edward promised that I would be his heir. You know this. William... I have never heard King Edward say this. Nonetheless, it is true. E'en so, the throne of England is not to be disposed of by the whim of any man, be he king. The great council must declare him to be king. This I know. Harold. Yes? There is but one man who bars my way to Edward's throne. You. If once Edward is dead, you will swear loyalty to me... If you will then urge the great council to declare me king, you shall be the second man in England. I will give you half the kingdom to rule, be advised by you, and swear lifelong friendship. What do you say? I will think on it.
0: that winter with duke william and was royally entertained good to look upon he much pleased the ladies of the court and the duke showed him much affection yet when harold hinted at returning to england the duke found ways to persuade him to stay then in may harold came to the duke
3: william i have received letters from king edward and my kinsmen i must return to england There is trouble brewing there, and I must bestir myself. But, Harold, you have promised to join me in putting down the rebellion of Count Conan in Brittany. There is talk of rebellion in the earldom of Northumbria in England. But we are about to march. I do not want to lose the services of so valiant a captain. When we have put down the rebellion in Brittany, it will be time enough to return to England. But, William... You promised, Harold. Would you break your word? No, I will go with you.
0: With Earl Harold striving nobly as a commander in Duke William's army, the rebellion in Brittany was quelled by midsummer, And the Duke gave Harold the highest honor in his power by knighting him on the field of battle. When the army had returned to the city of Bayeux in Normandy, news came from England for both Earl Harold and Duke William. And William, troubled, talked of it to his younger brother, Odo, who was a bishop.
3: Odo, these tidings from England are such that Harold will want to go home now. I have no doubt that it is this that he wishes to tell me, and that is the reason he waits outside. Then, brother, you must do as we have planned. You can wait no longer. I... I have, I must admit, grown fonder of Harold than I thought could be possible. Brother, he is your enemy. You both grasp for the same prize. I would have him as my friend. Love, friendship, these count for nothing when you are reaching for a king's scepter. He must take the oath now. (sighs) Yes, you're right. Let Earl Harold be admitted to this chamber. It is not like you to show such weakness, brother. Harold has sought to charm me out of my determination. Were it less strong, he might have succeeded. William, there are evil tidings from England. My brother Tostig's, earldom of Northumbria, is on the verge of rebellion. King Edward lies sick. There is unrest in the entire land. I know, Harold. I must return home now or England will be torn by violence. Harold, King Edward's days are numbered. And so I would remind you of that of which we once did speak. The king did promise to make me his heir. So you said. So he did. Before you return, I ask you to swear before your followers here and my Norman lords... ...that insofar as you can help, the English throne will be mine. In return, I will grant you half of England to rule. And if I will not swear... Well, Harold, you wish to return to England, do you not? So that's where the wind lies, Bishop Odo. (laughs) I grant you more than I would any other man, Harold. If I do not go back now, England will be ablaze. Well, I will take the oath.
0: The following morning, before Duke William and his lords, Earl Harold swore the oath laying his hand on a chest covered by a cloth of embroidered gold on which there was a sacred book of the Catholic Mass, the oath being administered by the Bishop Odo.
1: And do you, Earl Harold Godwin's son, solemnly swear to perform all
3: these things? All this I will perform, so help me God. May God be thy help. Take off the cloth from the chest on
1: which Earl Harold swore. And what be these? These are the bones and relics of saints. On them did you swear your oath. Uh, Harold,
3: I would that you now give me a hostage for your oath. A hostage? But why do you not believe me? It is the custom. Whom would you have? Your kinsman... Your brother,
0: Wolfnoth. Harold had no wish to leave his youngest brother, who was in Normandy with him as a hostage. But Wolfnoth did himself demand that he be so left, knowing that otherwise William would not let Harold go. The following day, after exchanging vows of friendship with Duke William... Harold and his men set sail for England. When he arrived, he found that the earldom of Northumbria, ruled by his brother, Tostig, was indeed in rebellion. Harold summoned Tostig to him.
3: It is good to see you, my brother. Tostig, how could you be such a great fool? I, a fool? How could you remain here at court? while your deputy in Northumbria did oppress the people and commit black deeds in your name. I stand responsible for what my deputy did. The more fool you. And now with Morcar being named Earl of Northumbria and marching south to drive you from the kingdom, and with you raising an army to defend yourself, England is on the verge of civil war. Well, there will be no war here if I can help it. What do you mean to do? I will demand of Earl Morcar that he allow me to judge your case in the great council. It would be well if that could be done. You would not find against your own brother. If you are guilty, as it seems, to save the peace, I must. Oh, then I would be outlawed and banished. What kind of brotherly love is this? Better than that the country should be riven by civil war. I will fight first. You will lose and end by being killed. You must allow me to judge your case in the great council. Must? Who are you to judge me? You who did swear away the kingdom to Duke William and left our brother Wolfnoth as hostage for your oath. That oath was forced from me. I had to make it so that I might return here to resolve the troubles you and others brought upon this country. You do not mean to keep the oath to William, do you? You mean to be king, and you would sacrifice me to win the support of Morcar and the other earls? so that you will be named king by them. I must keep peace in the land. Very
2: well, since I have no choice. You may judge me in the great council, but if I am banished, I will not forget.
0: Tostig banished from England sought to arouse foreign princes against Harald and did not succeed at first. At length he sent a message to Harald Hadrada, king of Norway, a man nearly seven feet tall, one of the mightiest warriors in Christendom. Tostig invited Norway's king to join him and come down upon England, and Harald Hadrada listened willingly and sent Tostig a message in reply.
1: Earl Tostig! Many years ago my kinsman King Magnus of Norway and King Hardy Canute of England did agree that whichever died first the other would succeed to his throne Hardy Canute died first and therefore the right to the throne of England has descended from Magnus to me and I have long been considering whether or not I should claim my lawful due mayhap I will
0: had my brothers, Earl Morcar of Northumbria and Earl Edwin of Mercia in England, desired Harold to wed with me. And one day Harold came to me about this.
3: Aldith, will you have me to husband?
0: Harold, you have dwelt long with one woman, Edith of the Swan Neck, and you have had by her many children. Are you willing forever to put her aside?
3: Yes, Aldith, I am. I... I must. And she would have it so.
0: I know, Harold, that love plays little part in a marriage such as ours. You wed me to bind my brothers and their strength to you by ties of marriage. And this you must do if you would be a strong king. For you will be king.
3: This land is rent asunder. Someone must hold it together so that England can be defended.
0: I think I fell in love with you when I was but a little girl. Do you not love me a little?
3: I... I will try, Aldi. I'm sure love will come in time.
0: That was honestly spoken. Harold, I will have you love me or No. Earl Harold and I were betrothed at a feast before King Edward. But before we wed, King Edward became grievously ill and died on January 5th in the year of our Lord 1066. Just before he died, he named Harold as his successor. Harold then was chosen by the great council, and none did say him nay. And the people also were for Harold. Harold was crowned. Tidings of this were brought to Duke William.
1: Brother,
3: Harold has seized England. What do you now? I will send to Harold, remind him of what he has sworn. And if he breaks the
1: solemn oath he gave?
3: There can be but one answer.
1: War. War.
2: listening to a dramatic conception of the stroke of fate that might have prevented the Norman conquest of England in 1066 AD. Our story has been true up till now and continues so up to the stroke of fate, which would have changed history. After that, historical possibility guides our imagination. The stroke of fate will be explained at the end of the program.
0: King Harold Godwin's son and I were wed in the city of York in Northumbria, the earldom of my brother Morcar. Duke William then sent an envoy to King Harold, demanding that he keep the oath he had sworn and turn over the kingdom. And to this Harold said, Tell
3: your master, Duke William, that I have been absolved of the oath I took, for that I was compelled to take it. Tell him that I would be his friend but that I cannot deliver up my land and its people to him. My people have said, we would rather have war than bow our necks to the yoke of a foreign king. We would rather die.
0: When these words reached Duke William, his face paled with anger.
3: Harold has wronged me, Odo, in taking the kingdom which was granted and promised to me as he himself had sworn... If God please, I will seek my right. God does so, please. You have Harold's brother Wolfnoth here as hostage. If you would deal with Wolfnoth as I advise, you would soon bring Harold to terms. I cannot do it. And besides, Harold would not now yield, even to save his brother. The English would not let him. Your barons do not seem eager for this war against Harold. No, they have heard too much about the strength of the fleet he is outfitting, about the vast army of volunteers he is raising, and about the prowess in battle of his housecarls, his bodyguard. The fleet you are gathering cannot sail to England empty. The barons will support me. I will promise them rich rewards and also to men from Flanders, Aquitaine, and our colonies in Italy, if they will join me.
0: Earl Tostig, Harold's brother, came from Flanders to Duke William to urge him to attack quickly.
3: My lord, Duke... Now that you have raised your army, you find it hard to feed. Yes, that is true. You should attack before you run out of provisions and your men desert you. My brother, Duke William, knows what he is doing. I'm sure he does, Bishop Odo. But, my lord Duke, every day you wait gives Harold more time to gather his forces. If you strike now... You will catch him before he is at full strength. What makes up Harold's forces? His housecarls, the king's thanes, and the levies of ships and land militia. And what is the length of the term for which the militia
2: is sworn to serve? Forty days. Oh, I see what is in your mind. You think that with the need for their attending to their crops at home, Harold will not be able to hold them much more than the 40 days and that he will lose the militia? Will he not? I would not count on it, not with Harold.
3: I would still attack now while he is not at full strength. Tustig, you have brought with you ships and men from Flanders. Do you now make a raid on England, feeling out whether or not it is soft and Harold unready? If you find it is so, we will follow you immediately.
0: Tostig and his Flemish allies harried the Sussex coast of England, sailed north to the Humber River and disembarking, were defeated there by my brother, Earl Edwin. Thence, with the small force he had left, Tostig made his way to Scotland, where he decided to remain until he could be aided by King Harold Hadrada of Norway, who now, like William, was preparing to invade England. My husband, King Harold Godwinson, slept neither night nor day as he made ready for England's defense
3: Tomorrow I leave for the Isle of Wight, where our fleet is gathered. Pray for us, Aldith. Pray God that he grant William a fair wind that will soon take his ships to England.
0: But why, my Lord Harold?
3: I know from my spies that William hopes to wait until our ship's levies demand their dismissal so that they may go home and harvest their crops. I've already held these men beyond their term. I do not know how much longer I can hold them.
0: But they cannot go home and leave the coast defenseless.
3: They risk their crops rotting in the fields. But fortunately, Duke William also can no longer wait for he lacks provisions with which to feed his men and so must attack across the channel as soon as possible. Only the unfavorable wind has kept him from attacking. Please God, it will blow so that his ships will be able to sail here before those who man our vessels must go home.
0: And then early in the month of August, Duke William summoned his captains
1: There's a fair wind for
3: England. We sail for the shores of England today.
0: was this? I would hear of it from your lips.
3: Aldith, we met them in mid-channel. The Norman ships, weighed down by the horses and the arms they carried for the invasion, were unwieldy and no match for our English vessels.
0: And Duke William?
3: I saw him die under a House Carl's battle axe.
0: Then England is saved.
3: For now. But this fight cost many English lives. And whether or not King Harald Hardrada of Norway thinks it has weakened us so that he can safely invade our land is still to be known.
0: Three weeks after the victory of Harold Godwin, son of England, over Duke William, King Harald Hardrada of Norway, with 300 ships, sailed down the Yorkshire coast, harrying the land as he went. He was joined by Tostig, who had men and ships he had taken unto himself in Scotland. Norway's king and Tostig won a victory over my brother Earl Morcar at the village of Gate Fulford, two miles south of the city of York in the north of England. After taking York, they went to Stamford Bridge nearby and awaited hostages from York. But one morning they saw a cloud of dust and heard the clanking of arms.
1: What well, think you, Tostig? Whom do we face? King
3: Harold Hadrana. It is my brother, Harold Godwinson. There is his standard. See? The golden figure of a fighting
2: man. Harold has marched here from the south more speedily than I could have
1: believed. Good. Your brother saves us the trouble of seeking him. The sooner we meet in battle, the sooner I become king of this England.
0: the hosts of England and of Norway were drawn up in battle array. And then King Harold Godwinson, with a hundred men, rode out in front of his army and shouted to his brother Tostig.
3: Tostig, I offer you a third of England if you will return to us.
1: What will you give my friend Harold, King of Norway?
3: I grant him seven feet of English earth or as much more as such a tall man needs to be buried in.
1: They shall not say in Norway that I brought their king here to betray him. We will win or die. Make ready for battle. <laughs> arrow from my chest. Ah, ah. I take the seven feet of earth your brother offered me.
0: It was a great victory at Stamford Bridge and all over England bells rang out in celebration. And when Harold returned...
3: Aldith, after Norway's king was dead, again I offered a peace to Tosting for the sake of our mother who bore us. But he shouted nay and died under Harold Hardrada's standard of the raven.
0: And Norway's fleet?
3: All of their ships fell into our hands. Aldith, never again do I think will Norway or Normandy try to invade us. And any other nation will think much on it before it tries, as long as the old line of Anglo-Saxon kings continues to rule and claim the loyalty of Englishmen.
0: And long may that be, Harold, for come Eastertide, you shall have an heir.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, please recall these lines in which the stroke of fate occurred that might have indeed changed history.
0: And then, early in the month of August, Duke Williams summoned his captains.
2: There's a fair wind for England. We sail
3: for the shores of England today.
2: And here to explain the significance of our stroke of fate and to speculate further is our consultant on tonight's program, Professor of History at Columbia University, Dr. Robert Webb. Dr. Webb.
4: Tonight's stroke of fate was the change in the wind that sent William's ships to England before Harold had to dismiss his levies of men. Had this occurred, Harold would probably have defeated William. Actually, William was delayed until the 27th of September, by which time Harold had been forced to send home his uneasy militia and to lay up the ships that guarded England's coasts. Furthermore, because unfavorable winds delayed him, William set sail two days after Harold's victory over Harold Hardrada, not a month before, as in tonight's reconstruction. Historically, within 13 days of receiving the news of William's landing, Harold marched his men 250 miles south. He had only a battle-weary, depleted, and ill-equipped army to send against a vigorous professional army of Norman knights. The English fought bravely, but when Harold fell, leaving no capable leader their lines broke, and the Battle of Hastings went to William. The result for England was an alien occupation, the loss of its native aristocracy, and a harsher life for its lower classes. Had Harold won, his able rule would have restored an England weakened under the ineffective Edward the Confessor. But a strong line of Saxon kings might never have encouraged representative institutions or might have suppressed them. And even had a parliament emerged into modern times, it would have differed greatly from the present British parliament from which are derived most of the legislatures in the world, including our own Congress. Advanced continental ideas would have penetrated England more slowly, and we would have lost the richness and flexibility of English, a result of the blending of Anglo-Saxon and Norman French. Had Harold won, I should probably be speaking to you in a language more like German or Dutch. In government, law, and culture, the Battle of Hastings was crucial. Surely the decree of fate that forced William to wait so long before sailing was decisive for all of us.
2: Thank you, Dr. Robert Webb. Tonight's program was the last of the Stroke of Fate series. Now here to say a few words as the co-producer of Stroke of Fate, who wrote most of the programs, Mort Lewis.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed listening to Stroke of Fate half as much as I've enjoyed writing it. I want to thank you for listening and for your many stimulating letters. I also wish to express my sincere gratitude to some of America's most noted historians for their invaluable contributions to this program. Gordon Craig, James Thomas Flexner, Moses Hattus, Stephen Laurent, Richard B. Morris, Ralph Marcus, Alan Nevins, and Robert Webb. Thank you, and good night.
2: Featured in tonight's Stroke of Fate presentation were Carl Weber as King Harold of England, Joan Tompkins as Aldith, his wife, Everett Sloan as Duke William. Others in the cast were Ralph Bell and William Griffiths. Your announcer, Lionel Rico. Stroke of Fate is produced by Mort and Lester Lewis, prepared in consultation with the Society of American Historians, conceived and written by Mort Lewis and directed by Fred Way. Here, meet the press tonight on the NBC Radio Network.
0: Thank you for downloading this VintageRadioShows.com podcast. We have over 30,000 shows for you to download and enjoy for only $7.95 per month. Sit back and relax while you enjoy the best from the golden age of radio. And please visit us at VintageRadioShows.com.